Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. You're listening to Think Like an Economist, a Himalaya learning production. For exclusive content like bonus episodes and supplemental materials for this podcast and others like it, Go to Himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist. So here's something really interesting. Did you know that America's billionaires got a lot richer during the COVID pandemic? I mean, for example, Amazon's founder and CEO, Jeff Bezos, has made about $250 million a day in 2020. And yet over this period, more than 50 million Americans have had to file for unemployment benefits. So Jeff Bezos has become one of the richest people of all time during this pandemic, while lots of other families are struggling. But this isn't just about the pandemic. Inequality is our topic today on Think Like an Economist. With me, Betsy Stevenson. And with me, Justin Wolfers. We're here to teach you the super tools of economics so you can make better decisions. Nazteran Tevakoli Farr is with us. Yeah, so, you know, this is a topic a lot of us really care about. And personally, I've been trying to not order things from Amazon. But then I think one person isn't going to make a lot of difference. But then if a lot of us don't order things from Amazon, maybe that will make a difference. And then I'm thinking maybe it's better to just focus on giving people a really fair shot at doing well in life. Maybe we should be focusing on everyone having the same amount of income. Wait a second. Yes. Hold on. Those are a lot of ideas. And they each have very different implications for what we might want to do. A lot of us want a fairer and more just society. But what does that mean exactly? In this episode, we're going to get specific, and it'll help you better decide what policies you want to support and how you think about politics. It'll also help you decide where to put your attention and energy, whether that's in spending time helping your cause or in contributing money to one instead. Okay, so sometimes when people talk about inequality, they mean income inequality. And income is the amount of money you receive in a certain period of time, like over a year. In 2019, in the United States, the poorest one-fifth of households had an average income of only $15,000. The richest one-fifth of households had an average income of over a quarter of a million dollars, meaning that for every dollar one of the poor households got, the richest households got $16. In fact, last year, the richest fifth took home more than half of all income in the U.S. compared to the poorest fifth, which only had 3%. Income inequality is rising in the United States, and it's also rising in other countries as well. Yeah, and I think there's something else we need to clear up, and that's that income and wealth are not the same thing, because we tend to use them interchangeably. That's right. So sometimes people are talking about wealth inequality. Wealth isn't just your paycheck or the money you receive per year. 
That'd be your income. Your wealth is the value of all that you own. And so it includes assets like houses and cars that you own, savings or investment accounts. Income is a flow. It represents how things change in a year. So Bezos' wealth is now over $200 billion. And that reflects income of around $75 billion in 2020 through his appreciated assets. That's why inequality is even more extreme if we look at wealth inequality. Wealth tends to grow over time, and typically that growth isn't taxed, making it easier for wealth to accumulate. Wealth also gets passed down from one generation to the next. Wealth differences are also particularly extreme if we look by race. For example, in the U.S., the typical white family has eight times the wealth of the typical black family and five times the wealth of the typical Hispanic family. Wealth is shaped by inheritance or gifts from family members, savings choices, home ownership, opportunities, and access to tax shelters. Your wealth is obviously shaped by the income you have. And sometimes people have wealth because they are older and they've been prudent about saving for retirement. And sometimes they have wealth because of their family circumstances. For example, around one in three white families have received an inheritance compared to about one in 10 black families. We've looked at income inequality and wealth inequality. What else should we consider? A lot of people worry about inequality of opportunity. Inequality is also about the chances you get in life. I mean, I know that my children will have a pretty good shot at life for reasons other than how much money their parents make. You know, we're well-educated and we have the means to expose our children to a wide range of things that we know boost kids' development and help build their earnings power as adults. There are kids who are born with the same capabilities as mine, but they just don't have the same advantages my kids have. And of course, there are also factors like race and class that impact the advantages or disadvantages that kids face in life. Studies show that around half the economic advantage your parents have or don't have gets passed down to you. So if you grow up in a family that's low income, it's more likely that you'll end up low income too. Low income kids are unlikely to move up the distribution and high-income kids are unlikely to move far down. This is related to an important concept we call intergenerational mobility, which is about how much your economic status depends on that of your parents. Higher intergenerational mobility means that people have a chance to do well regardless of their parents' circumstances. This might lead the resulting inequality to seem fairer, as people from both rich and poor families had a chance to do well or poorly. There's also a racial dimension to intergenerational mobility. Black Americans are more likely to move down the economic ladder and less likely to move up the economic ladder compared to white children. Only 2.5% of black children born in the bottom fifth of the income distribution will make it to the top fifth. White children born in the bottom fifth are four times as likely to move to the top of the distribution as black children. But they also don't have an equal shot. The problem is that white kids born to parents in the top fifth of the distribution are likely to stay in the top fifth of the distribution. The same thing isn't true for black children. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Often when we talk about making a more equal society, we mean redistributing income, so it's more equally spread out amongst everyone in society. We have a few ways of doing this. One is by providing a social safety net. So that's when the government helps those facing difficult times with direct cash payments or in-kind benefits like food or housing or services like health care. In the U.S., the government raises money for all of these things through taxes. And, you know, taxes help make things more equal because those who earn more also pay more in tax and therefore contribute more to the goods and services all Americans benefit from. Our tax system is also progressive, which means that the share of your income you pay in tax goes up the higher is your income. So you not only pay more when you earn more, but you pay a greater share. So these are ways we redistribute income. Now, not to get too philosophical about things, but how important is this? I mean, how much does money matter? Well, studies show that our well-being rises with income. And here's the catch. Each extra dollar of income increases our well-being by a little less than the previous dollar. But even when you're really rich, more income leads to higher well-being. We can think about this as the extra benefit we get from an extra dollar. And this falls, this extra benefit falls with each extra dollar we get. Economists often use the word utility for well-being. It's just a fancy word that means the same thing as well-being or benefit. And economists have found that your marginal utility or marginal well-being declines with each additional dollar you get. In fact, Betsy and I have studied this, and we've found that your well-being increases by the same amount when you get a 10% increase in income, no matter how rich you are. But a 10% increase in income for someone earning $50,000 is only $5,000. And for someone earning a billion dollars a year, it's $100 million. This is a really important point for redistribution, because... 10% of someone like Jeff Bezos' income is a lot of money. And if we take 10% of Bezos' income, we only have to find one family out there whose income that we increase by 10% with his money in order to leave us just as well off. And if we can increase the incomes of more than one family, we're going to make the world a better place. Think about a single mom who's struggling to get by earning $10,000 a year and what it would mean to her if she got an extra $1,000, you know, being able to buy more food for her kids and have just a slightly more steady existence. And in fact, if we were taking 10% of Jeff Bezos's income this year, we could give $1,000 to millions and millions of families increasing societal well-being for millions and millions of people. The important thing is diminishing marginal benefit or diminishing marginal utility from income. That means that when we redistribute from folks who have a lot but don't much benefit from extra money to those who don't have much money and would get a lot of benefit, 
has the potential to raise total well-being in society. So now we've covered the basics. At the start of the episode, you were both saying that when we're talking about reducing inequality, it's important that we're clear about exactly what it is that we care about. I guess ultimately, a lot of us care about fairness. Well, this is where things really get a bit philosophical. What do we mean by fairness? Each of us might have different moral intuitions about what's fair and how these impact the methods we need to use to reduce inequality. Many people believe that fairness means that we need more equal outcomes. You mean that people should earn roughly the same amount of money? If not exactly the same, then not too different. There are some interesting experiments which show how much people believe in equality of outcomes. For instance, Naz, say someone came to me and they said, Justin, I'm going to give you $100 as long as you can be fair to Naz and get Naz to agree. Naz, I'm going to be a bit of a jerk right now. Okay. I'm going to offer you $1 and I'll keep the other 99. We'll both be better off. Do you want to accept the deal? No, no. Because it feels unfair, right? And the thing is, though, you're worse off. Wait, so, Naz, what if he offers you $5? Would you take it? No. 10? No. No. What about $40? Maybe. Yeah, may- maybe I'll consider it now. So you were willing to walk away from $5, from $10, because you thought it was unfair. You would have been better off in a financial sense taking a deal, but you believed so much in equality, you weren't willing to go there. You're actually willing to give something up in order to see a fairer world. In contrast to this, one of the other key beliefs about fairness is related to equality of opportunity. This is about giving people a level playing field so they have a similar chance at doing well in life. Yeah, and earlier you said that you're aware that your children have certain advantages that others don't. Yes, I can't undo the advantages that my children have, but I can advocate for other kids to have a more equal chance at having a good future. That's why I talk a lot about investing in early childhood education, and it's something that I really push for and I'm really passionate about. Also, notice that what Betsy advocates for is a longer-term solution to redistributing income. If we just give people more money today, which is what you'll support if you believe in equality of outcomes, well, that's great for today. But if there's equality of opportunity then all children get a better education from a younger age. Then they're developing important skills early on, and this gives them more of a chance to do well in the future and it reduces inequality tomorrow. They'll have less reason to rely on others helping them as they'll have more skills to succeed. Give a man a fish and he'll eat today. Teach a man to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. Anyway, we're talking about fairness, and I think for a lot of us, fairness is also related to whether someone deserves what they have or where they are in life. Yes, and this definition of fairness can vary between people and even between different countries, too. Some may say that Jeff Bezos deserves his wealth more than the Queen of England deserves hers. After all, Jeff built a business from scratch and worked hard to grow it into an empire, whereas a monarch is born into a powerful family and automatically inherits enormous wealth and power from the previous generation without having done any work towards this wealth. Our feelings about the rich can depend on whether most of them have worked hard for their money or if they've had their fortunes just handed to them. If we have a lot of self-made billionaires, then people are usually more likely to look up to the rich or at least to be less harsh on them. I definitely think the way people make their money can be significant. But fairness can also be about non-monetary factors as well. Betsy, you, you touched on class and race earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's a reality that in a lot of countries, wealthy people have a lot more influence in society and in politics. They're likely to be well-connected to other wealthy people, too. 
This gives them a lot of influence over politicians and people in positions of power, and they can use this large influence to further their own interests. It's a fact that there are certain groups who hold more power, and this is not just about money, but also about race, gender, religion, and even where you're from. So basically, what we consider to be fair really depends on who we are and on our values. Yes, and this should influence who you decide to vote for or policies you may support and advocate for. It also affects the decisions you might make as a manager as you think about how to treat your workers in a way that meets your definition of fairness. And it might affect the decisions you make within a family as you decide how to spend your family's scarce resources. If you're into a quality of outcome, you want income to be redistributed fairly equally amongst almost everyone. If you believe in equality of opportunity, you want more investment, which can help people increase their skills and talents so they can pick themselves up and thrive in the long run on their own terms. You know, we've also talked about privilege, whether that's related to being part of a group that has more power, for example, or being born to educated parents who can help you reach your potential by guiding you through life or by having an inheritance to serve as your own personal safety net. You may advocate for different policies altogether if you believe that social justice is the key to greater income equality in the long run. So Betsy, Justin, this is a huge topic. How would we sum it up? Well, one thing that bothers people about the inequality between Jeff Bezos and his workers is that his workers work hard too, and yet they get so little. Yeah, and I also worry about the people who own small stores who are being driven out of business. These are all concerns about inequality and outcomes. If there's more equality of opportunity and more economic mobility, then the workers' kids and Bezos' kids, they'd have the same shot at success in life. There are a lot of different ways to think about inequality. But ultimately, I think which notion of inequality appeals most to you is a function of how you think about fairness or a just society. So what can we do over the next few days to really start thinking about all this and our values around it? If I could give some homework to our listeners, it's to spend some time thinking about each of these different ethical ideas. And don't just do this alone. Talk with friends, talk with families, and really debate the issues because they matter. And when you see something that you think is unfair, ask yourself, what is it about it that feels unfair to you? To try to better understand your own notions of fairness. That sounds fair enough, Ben. (laughs) Hey, Naz. Thanks for talking inequality with us today. Thanks so much for teaching all these important ideas and concepts. I'm going to go away and I'm going to do some really heavy thinking. To get the most out of this show, check out our bonus episodes and supplemental materials available only on the Himalaya Learning platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts such as Ariana Huffington, Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, and more for you to enjoy in the app on the go. Go to Himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout for your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist.